0: to H's for Help Me, a podcast unraveling the web of homeschool culture and femininity in fundamentalist Christianity. I'm Alex. And I'm Anna.
1: And today we're going to do something a little bit different. We are actually going to review a book that I read to prepare myself for marriage as a teenager. Um, But before we do that, I watched um, The Bling Ring on netflix last night and i totally binged and i watched all three episodes and i just have to say as dysfunctional as my childhood was like these people their lives were so much more dysfunctional that i actually felt like maybe my family is semi-normal so i wanted to see um alex if you have seen that what your thoughts are
0: no i have not i i don't know that i've even heard of the bling ring so it's on netflix so i'm definitely will be adding it to my queue but what is it about so
1: it's about teenagers in beverly hills or i guess it's like a suburb of beverly hills calabasas
0: and oh yeah oh girl calabasas yes Yes. okay (laughs) they're like calabasas home Kardashian, yes all the big ones yes okay. Mm-hmm. okay so
1: they are like celebrity obsessed and fame obsessed and they're for some reason they're all on cocaine and like other drugs like oxy and xanax and adderall like they're on like a whole laundry list of drugs and they decide that it would be a good idea to rob celebrities homes so like they robbed orlando bloom and paris hilton and rachel bilson and like um adrena uh what is her last name i had never heard of her yes okay so i had never heard of her until we were watching this show and my husband was like she was on such and such show why haven't you heard of her i was like i was homeschooled but anyway (laughs) stop judging me
0: I'm just laughing that your husband like knows who these people are. Well, he did go to public school. <laughs> like your school. husband knows Audrina from The hill
1: <laughs> He did go to public school, and he also has a sister who's like close to his age. So they watched a lot of TV together. Anyway, so they robbed like all these celebrities' homes and then they either sold the merchandise gave it away to friends or like wore it and so they would like take pictures of themselves on social media wearing the stolen merchandise and i think they hit like i can't remember how many homes it was it was at least seven homes yeah it was like crazy and they were mostly unlocked like they never had to break into any of these homes they were all
0: unlocked Oh my god! But that's insane. The reason
1: I was thinking about this, I mean, a, it's a documentary, but b, one of the girls, she was only in on one burglary, which is the Orlando Bloom burglary, and she said she was using, I forget which drug. So like, her defense was that she couldn't see anything and she didn't know where she was, but all her friends who were with her said she definitely knew where she was, <laughs> and um, <laughs> she was homeschooled and her sister was homeschooled and they had this other friend that lived with them kind of like she was a sister and their mom was like psycho like she was part of this weird church and they had like this affirmation they would like hold hands it was like very witchcraft culty and they would be like my affirmation is that I will be a successful professional in the entertainment industry <laughs> Anyways, part of their homeschool was like building vision boards because their mom thought that that was going to like, I don't know, somehow through the law of attraction, they were going to become famous through these vision boards or something. And then um, there was like a reality TV show with them that was very short lived on E! called Pretty Wild and the mom was asking them questions for their homeschool, like, okay, girls, what attributes do you admire in Angelina Jolie? (laughs) And I was just like, wow, this is actually making my childhood and my homeschool seem very normal. And the mom was like, yeah, my daughters would disappear for days when they were like 16, but I didn't worry about them because I used to do the same thing.
0: Wild. yes oh my gosh okay yeah i need to see this oh girl that's
1: like the tip of the iceberg like i got sucked into the vortex of this show and i could not wait to tell you about it because i felt like it was like here's like hollywood homeschool and then here's like fundamentalist christianity and like they're both polar opposites (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, speaking of Hollywood, the one that I watched um this week was House of Hammer on Discovery Plus. Did you watch House of no, Hammer? No, and I
1: haven't been on Discovery Plus in a couple weeks, so you're going to have to tell me about it.
0: Okay. House of Hammer is about all the army hammer stuff. Do you remember like in lockdown, COVID time, like in that like first winter of lockdown COVID times when all this stuff came out about Army Hammer being like very deviantly sexual, like not just like kinky, but like deviantly sexual and like almost cannibalistic telling women he wanted to like drink their blood and chew on their bones and so. Oh my God, yeah, your face right now. So I started watching that one and it goes into not only him and like what he was doing, with these women because there were tons of them of course there were tons of them i mean he is very like traditionally handsome guy and he's this movie star and he would just reach out to women in their instagram dms and like set up a, a an affair with them and then he'd be all into like wanting to do some really, really, really extreme bondage stuff. And it's just like progressed into like fantasies of assaulting them and drinking their blood. I know it's wild. And then that's, that's episode one, girl. That's episode one. Cause it starts to go into his whole family past. Like he comes from a family of billionaires and, um just they are all completely rotted people I'm stealing that phrase from my beyond the blinds podcast that I listen to all the time I love it when they talk about celebrities being completely rotted to the core and that is what these people are so that was my binge this week was house of Hammer.
1: okay I have a confession to make when you were saying army hammer (laughs) i did not like recognize that name and i was googling army hammer and spelling it like the branch of the military (laughs) and then i saw his picture and i was like oh okay i do recognize that dude because he's been on like some period pieces like he was in rebecca and he was in death on the nile so i remember that
0: yes but yes he was in death on the nile but I did
1: not recognize his name. Like I don't think I've ever heard his name before. But I also don't really follow celebrities as closely as other people do, so
0: I I would not have considered myself to be much of a celebrity person. Like I don't even like watching the award shows or I'm not an entertainment tonight girl or an e news or anything like that. But then I found this podcast Beyond the Blinds and I am hooked. They read these blind items about different celebrities, and I I am invested. I am fully invested in that podcast. Okay,
1: so this is a new podcast that I need to start listening to Beyond the Blinds.
0: Yes, but watch out because some of them get very intense and dark because some of these people are just completely horrible. Wow.
1: Okay. Well, I have my homework assignment, and you have yours. (laughs) (laughs) exactly okay so getting back to the book review uh, I do need to let all the listeners know that I have only gathered content from the first two chapters so we're going to hit those today and then talk about the other chapters in another episode but I have to say the reason we're doing that is because there's so much meaty content in the first two chapters like i started reading the note from the author and i was like oh wow this is going to be more than one episode
0: and i think that sounds perfect yes (laughs) the more the merrier
1: absolutely
0: so i so what did she have to say in this first chapter well
1: first i was going to tell everyone what the book is have i said that yet yes i don't know no okay Um, The book is called Before You Meet Prince Charming, A Guide to Radiant Purity, and it is written by Sarah Malley, who was homeschooled, and I'm not sure how old she was when she wrote this book, but I was about 14, 15? I think I was like 15 when I was reading it and it's really geared towards kind of like a younger target audience but my mom like I was at that age where she wanted me to start prepping myself for marriage and reading all these like books about courtship and yada yada to start prepping for marriage and she just thought this book was so cute and it is very cutesy so I started reading this book and at the time when I read it I remember thinking wow this book is fabulous like this girl is so knowledgeable I'm so impressed by all of this yes and then I got to the end of the book and I started reading about the author and it was like revealed that she was not married yet and I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Like, I just read through this whole book. I really absorbed every word you had to say, Sarah malley and you're not married yet. She is married now, though, because I stalked her family's blog post. But um anyway, that <laughs> so was her sister, and they both went through courtship, and they both passed from the authority and protection of their father to the authority and protection of their husband. So there's that.
0: Hmm. That doesn't sit right with me. I don't love the wording of that. The authority and protection of their father to the authority and protection of their husband. Why can't they have authority over themselves? Oh, just wait. I'm sure we're going to get into that. This way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so... I guess the very first interesting content happens even before the first chapter in the note from the author, which is Sarah Malley, who, as I've just told you guys, she was not married when she wrote this book. And she says, she's talking about purity books, and she says, I've had difficulty finding one to recommend to younger girls who are pure and protected. Many of the books I have read seem to be written specifically to reach young people who've already made mistakes. Since they are written for this audience, they include some details that I don't think are necessary for younger girls to be thinking about. I have endeavored to keep it discreet and appropriate for younger girls as well. Ick, Ick. Ugh. And friends, that's what we're getting into. So, that's in the introduction. Um, So, from there we go to chapter one, which is titled, Desire the Very Best Marriage. And I guess, Alex, I struggled a lot reading through this book as an adult because it is based on scripture and a lot of the principles she talks about are just basic common sense that i mean any parent would want for their child but there's always like this undercurrent like we've been talking about the toxic undercurrent and then the extremism
0: so uh i think so what are some examples of like you know the the just the things everybody would want for their kid
1: I mean, I think desiring the very best marriage, I mean, that's the name of the chapter. I think that's good. I mean, I don't think you should desire the worst marriage or desire a subpar marriage, you know. I think that's something that people should want for themselves, and I think that's something that parents should want for their kids, too. So, I mean, some of it is just kind of common sense, but then there's, I mean, you'll see even within like the first couple sentences, just so much extremism. (laughs)
0: then let's dive in here we go
1: okay so every chapter opens with a snippet from a fairy tale and there's like a bible verse too and the bible verses i have to say for the most part they actually do go with the chapter which good for her because that's not always the way things are in christian fundamentalism um But scripturally, she tends to pick verses that make sense with the chapter. So yay, good job. Anyways, in this first little fairy tale blurb, um, we meet this girl and she is a princess and she is basically the absolute like perfect daughter. And the book describes her, I'm going to quote from the book, for not only is she a princess in lineage, but she is also a princess in conduct. Then, she goes on to say, even though she was wise, she was not as wise as her father, the king, and was still subject to emotions, fears, and longings that tug and pull at a girl's heart and mind. It was not easy to recall her father's words of wisdom in every situation, and sometimes the wrong advice of others was quite persuasive, sounding so close to the truth that it was easy to accept without due caution. So that's our first little fairy tale snippet. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, oh, there's there's so much in there that made me cringe. And I know you can like see my face through FaceTime right now. And just like the moments when I was just like, oh don't love that. Like, and seriously, they kicked it off from the beginning with like, she was wise, but not as wise as her father. Right. Just gotta get that little patriarchal dig in there
1: oh i mean this whole thing is like super patriarchal just wait till chapter two when there's like a little blurb about brothers or no maybe that's three (gasps) i think that's three i think i just did a spoiler for our next episode anyway um so after they talk about this the princess she's on a ride through the countryside on her horse victory and she starts to wonder why her father, who is the king, speaks about the people of their kingdom and their customs as being dangerous. And she decides that her mom is right because her mom has been telling her she needs to focus on the work God has given her to do each day and entrust her future to God. Then a sentinel comes to check on her because she has been at, are you ready for this? Are you ready for these characters' names? Aunt Prudent and Uncle Just Hearts House. For too long and she tells the sentinel oh don't worry I'm late because I helped an elderly lady who <laughs> dropped a fruit basket
0: <laughs> dropped
1: a fruit yes, basket I was helping an elderly lady pick up her fruit after spending time at Aunt Pruden and Uncle Just Heart's house <laughs> oh here we go okay so this is still like all on the first page um and so the um sentinel rides off to report her whereabouts to the king and then there's like this whole paragraph about why it's okay that she's riding alone through the countryside because uh their their country was safe and yada 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 and it's okay that she was unaccompanied but you know it might not be okay for a young woman to be unaccompanied in other situations because their kingdom was not like our current world
0: anyway there's that <laughs> oh my god just just can we tick off like the red flag list right now the lists of like um, first of all needing a chaperone anywhere you go which is a sad reality of our world and should not have to be the case um what else did they say and they're just aunt prudent and uncle just heart what and uh, and of course that like a little princess she just needs to be perfect and sweet and nice and everything she does is innocent and she's a woman getting starting to have feelings and starting to have emotions and she's gotta rely on her father all the yearning and longing oh
1: oh my word yes yes oh okay so anyway after this blurb about why it's okay for her to be unescorted it says indeed many considered him and they're talking about the king to be too careful He often perceived as dangerous those activities that most people believed were quite harmless. And many times he took precautions that others mocked as extreme and unnecessary. For you see, in his wisdom, he understood that it was not the outward threats that were the most deadly, but the inward pollutants and evil influences that attack the heart and mind. So, okay. even though your dad seems extreme, it's fine, because in his wisdom, he knows that he's protecting you from all of the outside evil world.
0: Wow. Wow. He's uh, just the the victim mentality in that sentence too like he took precautions that others mocked as extreme and unnecessary like oh poor king they, you know there's uh, entitlement and uh, self-righteousness and yeah victim mentality all wrapped into one poor man but oh my goodness the outward threats were not the most deadly but the inward pollutants and evil influences wow it's very strong language
1: very strong language throughout this entire book um and i remember reading this and almost feeling validated as a kid like okay my parents are more strict but that just makes me safer you know it's really it this was a very normalizing book for You know when i read it and other people had told me things were kind of abnormal because at this point i did have some friends who were in public school i mean they were all like conservative christian people but they weren't you know in courtships and so i remember thinking like okay i am doing the right thing i am on the right track my parents are on the right track like reading this book made me feel like it was i mean really what it's doing is it's normalizing those extreme behaviors
0: Oh, yeah, it's absolutely doing that. It, it it does provide that self-assurance that, like, okay, this is not that much different than what my peers and friends are experiencing. Like, they are the, you know, the, the wayward. This is the way that is the safest and the best. And my parents love me. And then, because they do. Like, I don't think there's many people who go into you know, raising children just to be like, I'm going to be as terrible and shitty as I can be. Like, everyone does things, almost everyone does things out of a place of love. I truly believe that most people operate out of trying to do their best. It's just what they perceive as the best can be so harmful.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, like you were saying, everyone as a parent they have good intentions and they want the best for their kids. And I think this was almost a retaliation against the way they grew up. Maybe they had a lot of past hurts from childhood and they felt like their family was insecure. So they wanted to make their, you know, current family feel very secure. And this was like one way to do that. Like for me, um, my grandfather was an alcoholic. So I know that for my mom, for a lot of her childhood, she felt unstable in their family unit. And she wanted our family unit to feel very stable. So I can kind of see where some of that comes from.
0: I was going to make a a reference to Kim Plath, because that's exactly what she said, that her family experience was like too, and wasn't Barry the same way. Like he really struggled with out-of-control behavior and alcohol when he was younger. And so that was what they wanted to prevent their kids from experiencing. but like we've said in previous episodes extremism in any sense is not good or not healthy.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And I think it's interesting too because for people who are young, especially like a lot of these people got married really young and started families really young, it's easy to let yourself get sucked in when you haven't had very much lived experience like you're not thinking like okay, My child's going to rebel because I've done X, Y, and Z. Um, And I think, too, you know, they haven't, they've only had their own lived experience. So it's hard for them to know how things would turn out doing something completely different.
0: All right. What's the next part of the story? I want to know what happens to the princess now. So we have a few
1: other little quotes. We're almost done with chapter one. The princess, walking by faith, happily accepted this protection and guidance, but It is certain that she did not have any idea how much it would benefit her life, how vital it was for her future, and how much grief it had already spared her. So there's a whole, like, thing about, you know, appreciating your father's protection, which, once again, this seemed very normalizing to me because I read this, and I was like, okay, other people think this too, you know. Um, And then she ends up... Revealing that she has dreams of meeting her Prince Charming and this this part starts a kind of funny Recurring weird Relationship it always weirds me out when you're in a fairy tale and it's been just people talking and then all of a sudden An animal comes up and this random animal can talk like she's been on her horse this whole time The horse is not talking all of a sudden. She crosses a bridge and meets a freaking alligator and the alligator is clearly like supposed to represent Satan because <laughs> the alligator is like tempting her with different things that he's saying and telling her like, you know, your father has good intentions, but he's overprotective and you've got to make your own decisions. And so this little encounter with the alligator ends the first um fairy tale snippet in chapter one and then Mally begins her explanation of this little fairy tale snippet.
0: Oh why an alligator? Like that's what I want to know. I get like the reptilian piece of it but if you're gonna make the Satan allegory just go all the way and make him a snake. Like that's generally or like a goat or something. Like why alligator? I have what?
1: no idea. Like I, there are some things in this book that I'm just like, are you kidding me? Why did I ever think this was good? Like, why did I think this was good writing? Cause I remember thinking this was good writing too. And now I'm like, are you kidding me Anna? Like, what were you thinking? But I had very limited experience <laughs> with everything in life pretty much. Except for being a mother's helper. I was great at that.
0: I would be so interested in knowing how old the author was when she wrote this book. Because like you said, she kind of geared it towards, what would you say, like 12 to 14, 15 year olds Kind so. of early teens. How old was she? I don't know.
1: And I would like to know. Oh my gosh, I just saw something I've never seen before. I was trying to flip back and see if there was a blurb about the author in the front. And the very first, okay, very first sentence in this book is, Dad, you are my knight in shining armor.
0: Uh.
1: Her brother made the artwork. So the thank yous were to her dad, her mom, her brothers and her sister and it appears that her brother did the artwork is it any good it's not terrible i mean that's the alligator i mean her brother was probably a kid too i was
0: gonna say he got talent that's that's actually pretty good that's pretty good
1: you know what is i cannot find the about the oh wait about the author Okay, Sarah Malley is a single young woman with a heart for young ladies. She is the founder of Bright Lights, a discipleship ministry designed to equip young ladies to use the years of their youth to live fully for Christ. Does not say how old she is. It says in 2002, Sarah and her younger brother and sister published the book Making Brothers and Sisters Best Friends which has over 35,000 copies in print. So I guess this is her second book. I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm probably going to have to Google this because it's going to bother me that I don't know how old she was when she wrote this book. I really want to know.
0: Oh, don't worry. I'm trying to Google it already. You're
1: also Googling it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, her her dad's... Um, ministry website is called tomorrow's forefathers inc great fabulous about us well let's click on
0: about you let's see about you oh 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 i got something okay okay i am on answers in okay and it has a bio for her and it says that she started Bright Lights in her family living room in 1996 when she was 17 years old. Okay, so, so this book was before 79.
1: This book was published in 2006. So, what year did you say she was 17 in?
0: She was 17 in 1996 okay so she would have been 27
1: would be her birth year right yeah okay so sorry i was homeschooled and i don't do math well but you're right 27 i'm like (laughs) over here using my phone's calculator like oh my god i don't know i don't trust myself
0: Oh my god, I just do like the kids new math. I do new math. Do you? you you know when the kids at school do new math, that's how I always did math really? because I sucked at math. Oh yes. So I I hate factoring in nines and of course this woman is born in a year that ends in a nine and I hate doing math with the nines. So I'm always like, okay, I'll go even numbers tens cuz I can do tens and then just subtract one. And so I'm like, oh, If she was 17 in 1996 and this book was 2006 that's 10 years so she's 27
1: look at you you freaking genius i need to learn your math apparently i don't know new math or old math i I do struggle in the math department like extreme struggles but we can talk about that on another episode anyways (laughs) so she like there's this weird conversation with the alligator and that ends the little snippet and then she starts her little commentary. And she doesn't say a whole lot in the commentary. She talks about embracing safeguards from your family, shocker, and she really defines that as putting Jesus first, that if you're embracing these parental safeguards, you are putting Jesus first. Okay, that's debatable, but okay. And then she talks about desiring the best marriage, which like I said, I mean, that is actually something I hope that people do desire. (laughs) And then she talks about that it's now is the time to prepare yourself for marriage. Do not wait. You need to start preparing yourself for marriage now, which all of this is very like normal, traditional Christianity stuff, like i mean people started talking to us about preparing for marriage when we were like six years old so none of this is really stuff that was like brand new to me but it just kind of like i've been saying it kind of normalized what i had been
0: hearing like that same narrative wow definitely would have been very reinforcing then yeah so do I get my fairy tale back in chapter you two? You do get your fairy tale
1: back in chapter two.
0: Yes, I mean, there's a, a
1: little fairy tale blurb in everything. So once again, she is thinking about the words of the alligator, which is actually
0: Satan. And she's... Wait. Did we talk about... Did she mention what the safe... Sorry, okay. circling back to chapter one. Okay, Did she talk about what the safeguards were? Or she just said like... Whatever your parents say is a safeguard.
1: Basically, she says, um, she just talks about how some people will tolerate safeguards that are made by their parents, but it's not enough to tolerate them. You have to have that as your own personal commitment before the Lord. Like, it can't just be like, okay, I'm following my parents' rules. It has to be like, um, I'm following them because I want to with my whole heart. It doesn't actually talk about like a list of safeguards. It's more just like you need to embrace everything your parents want.
0: Yeah. So it's not just follow your parents' rules. It's fully embody them and, and indoctrinate yourself in those rules themse- yourself. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm
1: and okay so then we get to chapter two which kind of all of this really circles back to the purity culture stuff i mean i feel like in a way we're just doing another episode on purity culture but specifically like a book that indoctrinates people into purity culture (laughs) so chapter two is titled are you ready for this dangers with the dating system Ooh. (laughs) and in chapter two we start with the little fairy tale and she's thinking about the alligator who is telling her that she's not socialized she's too sheltered and she's really worried that maybe this alligator is right and y'all i know the alligator's supposed to be satan but i think he is right so (laughs) she's worried about that (laughs) And she decides she wants to go to the spring fair, which we're never given a a description of exactly what is the spring fair. We're not totally sure, but it's obviously very much boy-girl. And you know we don't like boy-girl. So, not that we like girl-girl or boy-boy either, but these kids don't know that that's an option, so. (laughs) We don't like anything except like arranged marriages. Okay. So she asks her dad if she can go to the spring fair and shocker, he says he doesn't approve of the spring fair. And then he says, they say thou art sheltered, but such be not true. Thou art pure. I'm sorry. Let me start that over. They say thou art sheltered, but such be not true. Thou art pure and clean, not because of rules set by others, but by thine own choosing. And he reminds her, my daughter, thy role is not to fit into the world, but to change it. Ooh. Yes. And I mean, like I said, some of this, some of this is not bad, but it's just all very extreme. Like, I do think there are a lot of people who are overly concerned with fitting in, especially in the teenage years. Everybody wants to fit in and, and you know, feel like they're normal, whatever that is. But once again, I mean, this is just, it's very extreme. Um, And then when she is talking to her father and about how the alligator thinks that her father's overly cautious her father says dear princess few treasures are so easily lost as thy purity yet so few important to keep
0: and when we say, and when we say purity, thy purity we mean thy virginity um-
1: in this book yes i think so. i mean you know (laughs) she said she wanted to keep it appropriate so after this her father decides to illustrate this point further by taking her to the rose garden and he shows her a rose and he says what is this and she says oh it's a single pure white rose and he's like well why don't you open it for me and she's like If I open it, I'll have to tear off the petals and it's going to be ruined. And um, her father says, and so it is with fair maidens. Their beauty is never fully seen, for they wait not until the proper time. They are handled and played with. By too many a fellow. Their heart is open prematurely. The fragrance and beauty that was intended for the perfect time is now lost or damaged forever.
0: So now I know where the writers of Jane the Virgin got the opening scene from, because that's literally it. When her grandmother gives her the white flower and says to crumple it and then, oh, try and straighten out the crinkles and oh you can't and uh you know that's like literally the exact same thing the exact same scene as it was have you seen jane the virgin i have not seen jane the virgin oh anna oh oh my god you would love jane the virgin you would love it i am like you need to watch
1: googling jane the virgin you can probably hear me typing just is this a movie or a show Oh, it's a show.
0: It is a fantastic TV show based off a telenovela, I think, or it's very much in the style of telenovelas. Okay. And it's freaking fantastic. So good. You you would love it.
1: Okay. So I now need to watch Jane the Virgin. That's my under- So now you have two homework I have two homework assignments. I feel like I'm finally getting pop cultured. Can I just tell you something that's, like, completely unrelated, but when I was watching this Bling Ring show, I mean, they were talking about so many different types of drugs. Like, I was just like, holy crap, I'm not even sure what all these drugs are. And this is when I had the realization, and I probably should have known this, LSD and acid are the same drug. I did not realize that until yesterday. Uh Like I would hear people say like dropping acid or are you high on acid and even I say are you high on acid but I just mean it to be like funny not like are you actually high on acid you know Uh, but (laughs) I did not I don't know why I didn't realize LSD and acid were the same drug
0: there's so many drugs that have like a thousand different names though so don't feel too bad yeah and
1: it's not like i'm a drug user or i'm like involved in drug culture but i bet these girls knew that because i mean they were like they were like we had oxy and i was like oxy I need to think about this one <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: Uh, they definitely did and yeah you definitely did not but i didn't either so wait you
1: didn't realize that that lsd and acid were the same drug either
0: oh no i mean like i definitely was not in the like the drug culture or anything either that way um (laughs) probably
1: okay so we need to jump into chapter two because it so much happens anyway so that's the end of the second fairy tale snippet oh well her father says he says thou mayest go to the fair if thou think it to be profitable but first thou must understand how easily a heart can be stolen thou must purpose to be a white and pure rose a bud that is still closed and one that will not give away the key to her heart until the right time and anyway that is the end of the little fairy tale and there's a lot more explanation after that. Um, so basically it's divided in two sections. And in the first section, Mallie kind of talks about like the stereotypical, she calls it the American dating system, but like more countries use dating than just the United States of America. So I don't know. Um, and she says, if you look at the fruit of the American dating system, There is a reason to be seriously concerned. The majority of modern marriages end up in divorce. Few marriages are truly happy. And I mean, like, do I agree with that? Sadly, yeah. Like, that's a legit point. I don't know that that's necessarily a result of the dating system, but I do agree with that little fact.
0: That is true. I mean... And again, it brings it right back around, like these kernels of truth, but then this insidious, patriarchal, extreme underbelly to it. Like, yeah, a lot of marriages fail and end, but is it because of the dating system? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe it's because of different marriage circumstances. Maybe it's the pressure to get married when you're not ready. Maybe it's because men are trash. I don't know. It's something.
1: Yes. I mean, I think it's, it's not just one thing. I think it's a combination of everything that you just said, you know? So anyway, I would love to just say, Oh, it's this one thing. Let's fix it. Which I think is what all of these parents were trying to do with the courtship. They were like, Oh, we want our kid to have a good marriage. Let's fix it. Let's get overly involved and be overly involved so that we are controlling everything because we're going to know what's perfect for our kids. Anyways, So she goes on to say, there is just, and this is in bold, one main reason for unbalanced marriages. It's called dating. Like,
0: I mean, okay, Uh, full disclosure, when you read the title of this chapter, is God dating, where is it? Hold on dangers of the dating system i'm like that could be like my new self-titled autobiography because you know full disclosure the dating system that i am currently in as like a 30 something year old woman trash but (laughs) i think it is important to go through the process of it especially when you're young
1: oh i agree and i mean i i agree on both counts because i'm pretty much a newlywed I've only been married about a year and a half I did not kiss until I was 24 a lot of it was a result of the books like this but um and also thinking that dating was wrong and yada 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 but when I did start dating I was like this is terrible like this is not enjoyable I don't like this because it's really stressful um and if I could think of a way to make it better I would but I don't know I mean it's just awkward getting to know someone you know
0: The dating scene, really, it's tough. It is not enjoyable. I do not enjoy dating either. Um, I wish, like, sometimes, you know, I'm like, can't I just, like, snap my fingers and be in that comfortable stage of a relationship when everything's great? Like, I don't like the dating part either, but... How else will you get to the comfortable, happy relationship part?
1: Oh, exactly. And I remember going on so many first dates and my friends who'd been married for like five years were like, this is so exciting. We're getting you ready for this date. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, I wish I had those first date jitters. Anyways, I just felt like they were so crazy for thinking that because I would much rather have been settled and married than going on blind dates with people who love tarantulas or whatever you just you don't know who's out there you don't know what you're gonna get
0: <laughs> you never know what you're have gonna you been get on
1: any blind dates
0: i have never actually been on a blind date but i am so single currently that i am very open to it like i'm at the point where i'm asking everyone i'm just saying i'm like If you if you know somebody, set me up, set me up. I am open and ready for it. Like I am totally fine going on a blind date. Wow! I almost had one. I almost did. Yeah, I had a friend who, when I said that to her, she was like, "Actually, I do have someone," and she's like, "He's a little bit older." When I know there's a lot of people who um have large age differences and that is totally fine and it does not impact their relationship ever I have not been one of those girls to ever be interested in a large age gap but you know we're in our early 30s so I can broaden my horizons a little bit and she's like oh yeah he's like maybe eight years older than you are and I'm like okay that's not that bad he was 14 years older than I am and that was a little too much for me again i know there's a lot of people that that's fine but for me 14 is a little more than i do yeah
1: same i definitely wanted someone from like the same decade as me you know
0: yeah absolutely just kind of within that same 10 year age range did we start recording
1: we've been recording this whole time
0: okay Okay.
1: I think so. It's counting down. It says three minutes, 30 seconds. Uh,
0: yes. Okay. Yes. That's how long we've been okay. recording. Okay, good. <laughs> I might leave oh, this Oh,
1: man. In. <laughs> Hashtag technical difficulties. But anyways, uh, so back to the whole dangers of the dating system. Something that she talks about as being a danger is that dating is very emotional and bonds are formed quickly and i really don't agree with that because i and maybe it's because i didn't date when i was younger but even if i liked someone and i was really attracted to them i wouldn't say i had like a bond that was just like instantly formed i can see how maybe a really young teenager or even someone in middle school because I know like kids in middle school date now which is stupid to me I think that's dumb but um (laughs) but I know they do I've even seen elementary kids be like oh my mom took us on a date to the theater and I mean I think that's bogus but I think for most people who are you know adults or mature enough to be dating I don't think most people are going to form an emotional bond that quickly you know
0: Oh, I agree. That's, yeah, I would agree. It's maybe more of a red flag if they right? do form that bond that quickly from dating. You know, it's, it's supposed to be a slow get-to-know-you process. Yes.
1: She also talks about how it's emotional, and I agree that it's emotional, but Relationships in general are emotional, like your relationship with your family is probably somewhat emotional. You know, I think just whenever you have two people in any sort of relationship, it can be emotional.
0: Oh, absolutely, that's it, that's just inherently a part of having a relationship with anybody. You can, like you said, you can have that in your family dynamics, you can have that in your friendships. I mean, I feel like in our friendship and in our kind of grad school friend group we've experienced that you know just different emotions of different people and that's normal that's part of the human experience right?
1: um one quote from the book that stood out to me is she says one of the problems is that even though nearly everybody has high standards for the one whom they will one day marry they don't have the same high standards For um, those who they are dating they'll say it's only a date not realizing that the emotional bonds form so quickly and easily (laughs) which I mean we just kind of discussed that but I mean you know I I felt that I had high standards for the people that I dated and I felt that as I went through the process if anything my standards got higher the more I got to know the person because then I you know I was able to realize this person is not for me or I want someone who cares more about this area and less about this area, you know, and that's something I learned from dating that I don't know if I would have learned from courtship just because it's so controlled.
0: That's a really good point. That is a huge difference between just like dating and discovering that way versus a controlled setting of, of courtship. Because in courtship, like, can you describe courtship? What did I just say? Courtship a little <laughs> bit more for me? Um Like, is it supervised, unsupervised? Like, I think we talked about that it was we kind did. of yeah, a supervised so thing. Yeah.
1: Courtship is very supervised in general. It's It's very much up to an individual's family as to kind of the boundaries that they're setting for their kids. But um, most of the time you are never alone and you do not have conversations alone. And some people don't even get to hold hands. So it's it's more of like a group outing than a date.
0: Yeah. And I just think exactly like you said, you can't discover what you're like, what your feelings are and what your preferences are and what your standards are when you're not completely comfortable because you're being chaperoned and with, you know, however many other people. That's something that needs to develop between the two people involved in the relationship. Oh, absolutely. And that can't happen when they're constantly monitored. Absolutely. Um, her other
1: dangers, I'll just read through a couple of them quickly. Uh, people date in order to have a good time right now. They are not planning long-term commitments i didn't feel that i dated that way but also when i went into first dates i went in with the perspective of i'm going to have a good time tonight even if i never see this person again i'm still gonna let myself have fun they're gonna buy me dinner which is gonna be great if they don't buy me dinner then i'll never see them again and that'll be okay too you know (laughs) like (laughs) so i guess i just don't see having a good time as something bad and I don't think having fun means that you aren't planning a long-term commitment. Can't you have fun while planning a long-term commitment? I mean my goodness. This this is all so serious, you know.
0: Very very serious. That's such a good point. Why? It's it should not be so serious. It should be much more fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of things in Christian fundamentalism are so serious like this though. Everything is like You're so worried about following God's rules, although there's, you know, there's nothing in the Bible really about dating or courtship. So it's all very open to interpretation. It's more of like you're following rules that other people have set that they're telling you are God's rules. But anyway, the other thing she says that is a danger is that, um, Most people plan to date a number of different individuals in order to get to know a variety of people. And then they pick the best one to marry. So she's saying that, you know, you're going to have to go through breakups if you are dating
0: oh and
1: it she says in other words the world's way involves the pain of separation but god's way involves no separation that's very scary to me because like we've discussed earlier in the episode it's a very scary thought to think like my parents have prayed about this one person and this is the person i have to marry there is no option for separation you know sometimes separation is good and separation is painful even if it's the right thing most of the time it's painful i mean I went through a breakup that was really painful, but it was definitely the right thing, you know? And she says that this is, you know, God's way, which once again is very debatable.
0: I would agree with that. I would so agree with that. Um, That's just a part of life's journey. and, And doesn't God say that didn't God give us free will for a reason to have those opportunities to explore and he made us human creatures to feel a variety of emotions and pain is one of those emotions it's never something fun to have to go through nobody likes to be in pain physically emotionally whatnot but it's a part of the human experience and yeah sometimes the separation is necessary it's what is best it's what is healthier so when you read that first sentence about most people plan to date a number of others in order to have a variety and then pick the best one to marry i'm like she gets it. i know yeah, that's exactly the point I know.
1: yes like i was reading this like there's nothing wrong with that because if you're just with one person and i mean anybody who's ever dated will tell you like You have no idea what it's like to be with another person. And I remember thinking my first boyfriend was so great. And then I got my second boyfriend and I feel guilty saying this, but I was not even attracted to him. I was just very single and very open and he was very sweet and he wanted to take me out to dinner like literally every night after work. Like it was like I went from my first boyfriend who I thought was perfect, who never paid for like any of my dinners. Like one time we were at the drive through at Steak and Shake and I forgot my wallet and I had ordered like a four dollar kid's meal and he was like, oh, that's okay. You can pay me back when we get home. And of course, I thought he was great. I I know I was stupid. I was stupid. And so then I got this second boyfriend and gosh, I didn't even like him that much. But man, I was like, he's a really good kisser and he pays for all my food. I later found out the reason he had all these gift cards because he kept taking me out on gift cards was that his mom told him if he would get a girlfriend because she was like really concerned that he'd been single for so long and I don't know why because he was younger than me by two years. But she said if he would get a girlfriend that she would pay for everything. Because I was like, wow, we've been to like Outback and like really nice steakhouses like three nights this week. And this guy is in school. Like, how can he afford this? <laughs> i loved his mom though every time i went over i would have loved
0: his mom too oh my gosh
1: i tailgated with him and it was so fun because his mom did not like football and she was like she made like this huge like spread of food and then went in like this back bedroom and i could hear country music and i was like what is going on in that bedroom and he was like my mom does this beach body thing and I was doing it with her because I was also doing beach body at that time. It was the country heat beach body workout.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes, I know what that workout it's
1: is. It's so fun. It's like you're in a honky tonk or something and you're doing really bad dancing, but you're not drunk because you're trying to lose weight. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was like, that was probably my favorite part of dating him was hanging out with his mom. Anyway. <laughs> but so it's really good to get to know a variety of people and i did have a good time in that moment even if it wasn't with him <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Anyway, oh the next concern, anyway
1: the next concern she brings up is she says much of the dating we see today is me oriented to bring me security, enjoyment, fulfillment, etc. And then she says, True love always puts others first and focuses on their needs. In other words, the world's way is to get and God's way is to give.
0: I'm 50-50 with I... hmm
1: You can say what you're thinking.
0: Oh no, I was going to say, I feel like she's... Mixing two different principles here. Like <laughs> she's mismatching stuff and teachings, and these two things are not meant to be put together. So, dating is very much me oriented. I'm seeing what I like, what is going to serve my needs, who is the best partner for me. Yes, that is all true. This is all right. And ugh, true love is putting other people first but again it circles back to how are you gonna know it's the right if person. you're in true love yes. and if it's not the right person yeah so I don't know I, I'm like these two things do not go together like you're you're picking and choosing here ma'am and this does not work
1: right and I mean I think you know you were saying you are asking like is this gonna bring me enjoyment security the other person's asking that too. I mean, that's not a one way street, you know, both parties are looking for that. And I think, you know, obviously we go in knowing that, like, we need to find the person that's going to help us have those things. And I'm not saying that life is all roses and sunshine and like everything is perfect and, you know, everybody has bad days, but I do think at the end of the day, you should still be glad you're with that person, even when you've had a bad day, you know, and I don't know. I just, I guess I don't see any problem going in with having the expectation to have your needs met. I think that's, you should have your needs met, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I feel like, I know we we talk about this a lot in a lot of our episodes, but the idea of that toxic, patriarchal, overarching theme of a lot of fundamentalist Christianity, like God's way is to give. So girls reading this book, you're gonna give whatever you got to whoever you decide or whoever your family decides. Yeah, whoever your however your courtship. Decided. Yeah. And you're gonna give everything. And whether you really want to or not, that's your job is to give all of yourself to somebody who maybe doesn't deserve that and maybe doesn't reciprocate that. Right.
1: Yeah. And then her next concern is that she says the world's way is for pleasure and God's way is for commitment. And once again, I do, I kind of agree with that. I think as someone who is a Christian, when you are dating, you shouldn't just be dating to have a good time. Although I did want to have a good time. Like you need to be thinking about that long-term commitment and not like a quick fix, you know, but I mean, for people who are not Christians, obviously, they're going to have a different perspective. And that's totally fine. And I I completely respect that.
0: Well, you even said it earlier. Why can't you have fun with it, too? You know, like, why does it have to be pleasure, fun, or commitment? Like, why so serious? Why can't you have fun finding the right commitment?
1: Yeah, I think in this section, she's talking about one night stands, but she doesn't say that because she just has oh. some people date for the thrill or a tempting experiment, not because they are committed to a person. <laughs> so I think, oh. like, I think that's like one night stands, but she doesn't want to say that. But I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it at this point
0: oh that changes things but
1: (laughs) yes oh pleasure can mean so many things
0: (laughs) it sure can
1: (laughs) then okay the next little blurb actually really cracks me up it's really funny to me it says quote the bible does not give any positive examples of anything even close to dating end quote i mean do i agree with that yes but the bible was written a long time ago
0: (laughs) this is true
1: (laughs) the bible was written so long ago and i think now we like our traditions are different you know so i don't know
0: yeah, I the Bible was written in a time when women were viewed as subhumans and property of men, yeah. And
1: and also, in we don't the Bible, really think
0: that way anymore. Oh,
1: thank god, no. Also, in the Bible, people like married their cousins and stuff. I mean, like, my gosh, I'm so glad <laughs> that we're not trying to follow that example
0: that's so true or they
1: had like 50 wives (laughs) or like all these concubines and it'll be like so and so was led astray by his wives i'm like well dude you had too many that was your problem
0: (laughs) that's true we don't really follow that model anymore and that is actually in the bible
1: it is it is so that cracks me up every time i read it and then the next thing she says I just completely disagree with but she says that when people date they plan to break up if things don't work out and she thinks this is a practice for divorce and not marriage and I disagree with that because I think breaking up when you need to is really important and you should be able to break up when you need to and, you know, dating is not yeah. marriage. Dating, you have not made that commitment to that person, you know? But anyway, and also for people who are, like, in bad marriages and people who need to get a divorce, like, they need to know that that's okay, you know?
0: Yes, honestly, that's where my mind went to. You know, sometimes divorce is the best thing for everyone sometimes divorce is the safest and healthiest thing and this kind of mentality that she's putting in this book discourages that like you said and that can be really dangerous and not okay
1: yeah yeah i think a lot of a lot of these things it's like we've been saying i mean she, I really think, in her heart, had the right mindset that she felt like she was following her convictions with this book, and she felt like she was following scripture. But honestly, I don't truly believe that this is scripture-oriented. Scripture
0: I would agree with that. And do you think... <sighs> I don't don't know if this is the right word, but the word that comes to my mind is almost that it is a naive kind of perspective. And I'm not saying that all um, spiritual or religious people or people who follow their faith convictions are naive, but this to me comes off as very naive and very um, almost unknowing almost ignorant to the way that things are in the real world
1: oh absolutely and i think you know reading all the stuff about divorce it makes me think you know has she ever known anyone who had to get a divorce like that actually really had to get a divorce because they were being abused it's not just like oh i'm unhappy today but i mean like i have a couple of friends who had to get a divorce because. They were truly in danger. Like, they were actually in danger. So I feel like maybe she has just kind of been in this little bubble of Christian fundamentalism. And she's just, she's trying to do the right thing. But she doesn't have the big picture of the whole world, like you were saying. Okay, so that ends her concerns, her dangers with the dating system. And then we enter into this part where she talks about how she wanted to be different and she only offers two guidelines. for how she wanted to go about finding her spouse, which I think is funny because she just offered like so many guidelines, you know, or not really guidelines, but so many things that she said were dangers with the dating system that she thinks are wrong. But now she only has two suggestions. And the first one (laughs) is that she says, I wanted to quote, wait for God to bring the right person. Um, and that's something I grew up hearing a lot. And I mean, once again, I do agree with that, but I, I, a lot of the people that I knew that were waiting for God to bring the right person, they were just literally at home, like writing in a prayer journal, but they weren't really allowed to date or get to know other guys. And I was just kind of like, I mean, I feel like I can still be dating, but waiting for the right person, because if I date someone and they're the wrong person, like, obviously that's not from God, you know? (laughs)
0: exactly
1: anyways so she wanted to do that and then she says when it was the right time i knew i wanted my parents to be involved i figured that we would be a team working on this together which is pretty much the basis of courtship ah so those are her those are her only two (laughs) suggestions like wait for god and involve your parents she touches on arranged marriages a little bit. She says, "One could say that I believe in arranged marriages, but you see, God is the one doing the arranging."
0: Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck! <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. but is God really doing the arranging, or are your parents doing the arranging?
0: hundred percent, your parents.
1: It's debatable. it's debatable. Yes. Okay, and so then the next section is what we've all been waiting for it's called how will i get to know someone
0: Which... i need this
1: in my real life Oh, girl are you ready for the opener she I'm opens ready. with you are probably acquainted with dozens of boys whom you are sure that you would never marry and do you know what you didn't have to date them to find that out <laughs> sage wisdom
0: very sage wisdom
1: (laughs) sage wisdom so basically she just says that when god brings the right person into your life you'll get to know him and that your parents can help you and that it's going to be different in every situation But she's basically just saying, you know, that you will observe boys. That's another thing she talks about. You'll observe them. (laughs) Oh, man. So that actually pretty much ends the chapter. There is a little testimony (laughs) that it's. we don't know who this person is from. It just says testimony from a young lady. And the title of the testimony is Consequences of Dating. Basically, she confesses that when she was a teenager, she dated and gave away pieces of her heart and disobeyed her parents because she dated people they didn't approve of, et cetera, et cetera. She said she didn't think God would have the right uh, guy for her, but then boom. A dude approached her father and he said he wanted to marry her and then she felt guilty because she had to confess her past relationships but anyway these two did end up getting married and despite all the downers on herself both she and this guy saved their first kiss for marriage <laughs> so I guess her previous relationships were were pretty chill Um, anyway, she urges young women to remember that their decisions now will affect their futures.
0: I feel like that's that scene from Mean Girls where the coach says to them all, like, do not have sex, you will get pregnant and die. Like, that is just (laughs) so extreme.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, yes. And then doesn't he, like, pass out condoms after that or something?
0: (laughs) yeah he does he's like here's a bunch of rubbers
1: (laughs) that's right rubbers that's what he calls them anyways so crazy but the other her other like caution is to avoid the male female friendships because they can breed the emotional bonds and to ask your parents for guidance and also to avoid influences that will pollute your thoughts and the examples of these polluting influences are movies television the internet books and magazines and i don't think anyone reads magazines anymore but i mean this was like the 2000s so magazines were definitely still a thing then
0: i remember the teen magazines in the 2000s do you remember all they were like so many different kinds of teen magazines i loved them
1: did you i wasn't allowed to read them but when i started babysitting i was babysitting for this girl who was nine and her mom bought her cosmo and everything and i just remember opening that up and it would be like how to make a guy happy and doing yada 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 and i was like what is this like this is complete trash why is she letting her read this
0: that is a lot for a nine year old
1: <laughs> um agreed it was too much for me, and I was twelve. so
0: I loved teen Vogue. I loved teen Vogue.
1: that's so fun. The only magazine I was allowed to read was the Brio magazine, which was like I don't think it exists anymore. You can google it. It was like this magazine for Christian girls, and they every I don't remember when it was, I think it was like over the summer, they would do this like 30 day Brio girl challenge. And like all my friends and I would try to do it and it would be like, read your Bible and pray every day, memorize five scriptures and say them to your parents. And then it would be like, find a small bill that your family has like the water bill and see if you can help pay that bill.
0: (laughs) So like grown up keepers
1: yeah it was kind of like keepers but more like for teens I guess but that was the magazine I was allowed to read and then I was exposed to the other teen magazines and I just like I did not I was like so appalled I could not look through them but I think it's funny that she talks about magazines because now I'm like no no kid reads a magazine they don't know what those are I also used to read embroidery magazines, like True Confessions, but I found some of these like magazines that I used to read on Scribd, like the embroidery magazines, and I just got like sucked into the vortex of looking at these old magazines, and they're all definitely like made for grandmas, but I'm an old soul, what can I say? So that ends chapters one and two. We still have... My goodness, how many chapters are in this thing? Where's the table of contents? There are 12 chapters. Oh, oh, okay. Spoiler alert. The title of chapter 12. Are you ready? Know that God arranges marriages. As always, dear listeners, thank you for joining us as we explore different facets of femininity in fundamentalist Christianity, I had so much fun talking with Alex today um, about this book review, and I can't wait to share more fun tidbits from the next chapters with you guys next time. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pod You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And remember, in a world of so much fear and confusion, you were probably already acquainted with dozens of boys whom you were sure that you will never marry, and you didn't have to date them to find that out.